give a big old shout out warm hello to you sword swingers you spell slingers those who chuck spears those who fling axe those who brought soda and those who remembered to pack the snacks i am grognard the young the young grognard and i'm coming at you today solo uh, as compared to the past two episodes with a little bit of news on the podcast uh first and foremost i want to say that i am uh in case you weren't listening the past 10 seconds here alone Um, but what I'm going to do for some of these episodes is since I'm sort of the host of this podcast, I'm going to have some episodes set aside when I can't get a regular group of people to come and help out with the show. I'm going to do episodes I'm going to call DM rants. Now, the reason for these is mainly just because I got a lot to say. I got a lot on my mind and not a lot of this stuff does very good for a, uh, sort of back and forth. I'm not suggesting this episode is going to be difficult for a back and forth, but I think that this one can be done really well for just one person. Um, As the DM myself of most games, I have quite a lot of experience with this topic, and I use this concept a lot with a lot of my writing. So I think those who uh, are looking to up their game and looking to be better role players, as well as DMs who are trying to get past that writer's block or come up with a bright new... uh, uh, villain, this episode I think will speak to you guys. Uh, no pun intended, as this episode today is about voices. So, voices are kind of interesting in role playing games because I think a lot of times when people discuss the concept of of having a voice when you play a game, it sort of speaks to what people think. You know, if you remember those memes where they have the what my friends think it means to play D&D, what my parents think I'm doing. Yeah, so I think when people talk about having a voice for D&D, I think a lot of times people who don't play are imagining that people who do play use these voices a lot. There's a lot of hear ye, hear ye, and hark, and lord and lady. And while this may very well be true, I think people kind of miss the point, and I think that a lot of times people sort of put this sense of silliness to it that doesn't need to be there. Like, everybody who does a voice when they play has a pretty good idea that what they're doing is pretty silly, but I think this goes back to my one biggest issue with playing the game in sort of a silly way or having a less than moderately serious D&D game is that when you're playing the game I think a lot of times the situational humor of you guys sitting at the table and playing is what brings a lot of the the humor to the game you know the idea that your buddy some I don't know 27 year old girl who doesn't weigh more than 150 pounds she's this little tiny moxie chick but the fact she would play some big half-orc barbarian and have to do this sort of gruff and grumbly barbaric voice it, it's the fact that it's her doing that that's funny to us because it's situationally humorous. You know, it's it's kind of funny to think that such a tiny body would have to produce that. And in our mind's eye, we recognize them as the half-orc barbarian rather than our short friend there. Um, 
So I think that's why doing voices when done in a group of people who know to take the game pretty seriously can be one of the funniest parts. I mean, there's a reason why shows like Critical Role and others do so well by having professional voice actors or people who at least have some experience in professional voice acting. And that's because it really helps paint the picture of what's going on. While other people might have a, but, a much better ability to imagine what's going on just because they're so enveloped in the game or if they've been playing for such a long time, I think it's really important for people to do voices because it helps really solidify for a listener what's going on. But um, at the end of the day, I think that one of the most fun things that you can do as a player is engage in this kind of nerdiness and just sort of embrace the humor that is sitting down around the table throwing weird shaped dice at each other and you know just having a good old time so if that means you have to talk in a silly voice every once in a while you know relish in it embrace it for one moment in your busy work day when you get to kick back and finally relax on the weekend or after work or after school or whenever you play your game just take a moment to really embrace and enjoy that moment of childish and immature humor you know just really take it all in because you can't do that at your 95 well i mean i don't know maybe you can i mean i work with kids so i guess i get to do that whenever i want i mean maybe that's why i'm a dungeon master i mean probably anyway but yeah i mean have have that moment take it in and just really embrace that with your friends you know kick back crack open a beer sit back and relax man just really enjoy the humor that you can have by playing your grumbly dwarf and saying you know oh maybe if i was a bearded gnome you know do a funny voice you know just really kick back and enjoy it and you know and i think that's the problem is that not enough people just take themselves less than seriously in in life you know i think a lot of people put a little too much effort into being serious and and making sure they fit the image of whatever it is they're trying to be but that's what's beautiful about a role-playing game is that you know you can take three hours out of your day once a week or once every month or whatever you're stuck with for your gaming time and you can just enjoy i don't know that moment of not being yourself and just taking that little mental vacation you know but in any case, I think that what else is kind of nice about doing voices is that voices can mean so much more than just the actual tones you produce with your mouth at the gaming table. I think a lot of times voice can mean sort of how you speak and, and the language that you use, the, uh, the vocabulary that you're using or the lexicon of your character. What other fancy college words we can use there? I, I don't know. I think I'm running out. Um... But I think a great example of this is actually Ryan from the podcast, Rygra. He kind of astonished me the first few times that we played role-playing games. Not because I expected anything less of him as a player, but... Well, I mean, I always guess I expect a lot less of him as a human being, but that's just because me and Rygra have that kind of a beautiful relationship. Or whatever the heck you want to call that kind of animosity. But either way, a lot of times what I find is that Ryan, uh, when we would play together, he played this really awesome bard. It was a Dragonborn bard, one of those battle bards in 5th edition. But what was cool is that he didn't speak like a Dragonborn. He didn't, you know, talk with this rough and grumbly, draconic voice. He didn't, he didn't kick back an accent. He wasn't speaking in some way that was really over the top. But instead, everything he said was said in a way that he dictated it. He really you know professed his speech he really like pushed it forward in a way that was confident and powerful and strong and and, and confident you know here i am gushing over ryan's character if any of you people out there ever tell ryan that i said any of this 
And Ryan, if you ever listen to this podcast, that's kind of weird, bro. But either way, the point is, is that he never did some silly voice, but he just commanded the voice as he did so well that, you know, he, you felt like the character's true voice got across. Maybe a nice synonym for voice here would be the essence of the character got across, you know? Um, and so I think that the, a good term for that would also be sort of the embodiment of the character through voice, through expression. Um, so, you know, even if you have to do a lot of that describing, you know, if you can't do voices very well, you can always do the tried and true method, which is, uh, well, okay, sorry, little tangent here. I think it's kind of interesting that when people play D&D or other role-playing games and they get into it, sometimes you'll notice people speak in the first person with their character, and other times people talk in the third person. And I think that personally, talking in the yeah, personally, talking in the third person for characters is so much more beneficial to role-playing because it helps take off the concept of it being you and you can get that separation and you can almost illustrate in your mind this other character by referring to them every single time they do anything. Thing. But I think it also, it allows you to describe so much more. Because when you t describe your actions in the first person, if we were to say, you know, I walk into the tavern, I walk up to the bar, I put my heavy gauntlets down on the, on the bar, and I look up beneath my heavy brow at the bartender, and I say to her, give me an ale, a cold flagon, and make it snappy. Like, it's it's neat. It paints a picture with the whole eye thing there. But imagine if instead we said that this character's name is, I don't know, Kevar. So we can do this entire scene all over again and say, Kevar walks into the inn, crashing the door as he comes in. And he looks to the bartender as he walks over to the bar. He puts down his heavy gauntlets and he turns to her and he says, I'll have a tankard of ale and make it snappy. I know it doesn't make a big difference, but by using that third person there, it helps illustrate what your voice can. And I know this is sort of falling into the territory of just descriptive play, but I think a lot of times, isn't that kind of why we do voices? It helps inform the play. It helps inform, it helps paint the picture. I could just say, I walk in and order an ale. You know, that kind of takes all the pressure off of Kevart or whatever the heck his name was, of, you know, us having to describe his actions, but it doesn't paint the same picture. And while we could say that, you know, talking in such flowery ways really takes away from game time, I think it's what we came to do. You know, it, that's what the game's all about. Otherwise, I don't know, like, what what are you playing a role-playing game for? There's plenty of video games you could go play where you don't have to describe diddly-poop, you know? But in any case, I do think that describing our actions and helping, like, weave those descriptions of actions together with forms of speech just makes for such a beautifully rendered character portrait you know it, it helps everybody else at the table because now you as another player let's just say that's the first session and somebody's wizard um i don't know bill billeting yeah billeting the wizard is sitting at the uh sitting at one of the stools down the bar and it's the first quest so everybody's meeting their characters for the first time and rather than just say you're all friends, you're all working together, you travel to the king's, I don't know, court to talk to him. They meet at the tavern first, which I know is a cliche. But doing it this way, where we say Kevart storms in and puts his gauntlets on the table, rather than just saying I walk into the inn, I buy an ale, this sort of informs how that wizard Billading is supposed to respond. What if Billading is 
a real codger, and he himself is also, you know, really rude and grumbly. Perhaps a player is inspired by the role-playing of Kevar, and he himself kind of amps up his own role-playing a bit. I think what's beautiful about doing voices and describing things to this level of detail is that it helps other players jump on board. And while I think we can all imagine, you know, sitting down at the table for your first game and one player kicks out this real over-the-top accent when everybody else was just kind of talking in the first person, it might be a little bit jarring, I guess, to say the least. But I think that what's neat about it is if players start getting into it, everybody starts joining in. You know, I don't want to quote Billy Madison or anything, but, you know, if being in your pants is cool, I'd consider me Miles Davis. But for real, though, I mean, when one player pees their pants, they all pee their pants, you know? I mean, okay, maybe not that example. But hey, listen, chainmail's awful when it chafes, especially rusty. But <laughs> in any case, the most important part here is that I think, especially as a DM, if you set that tone, other people will join in. Either that that or they'll laugh at you and treat you kind of like the comedic voice box that plays all the other characters that isn't the party. And hell, I mean, if that's the case, so be it. If people talking in voices means that much to you, you can always have that conversation. I obviously don't think many people are going to be all that concerned with having an entire party of people talking in funny accents. But I do think that it's very important to establishing a mood. And I think that, you know, players enjoy it. I think people like that kind of kooky stuff. But anyway, on to the next part. And I think this next part is definitely going to apply more to DMs at first glance. But I've made so many characters this way. And I think that if you really pay attention to what I'm going to say next, I think you can write your next character just by knowing the character class and race and just a little tiny bit of info about things like alignment and history. So what I love to do as a person who loves to write D&D modules and make characters and stuff, and I've been at it for, you know, more than a decade now, more than anything else, the one thing that helps me write good characters and, and thus good story is monologuing. And I just... I love, I've always thought I had sort of an affinity for voices. I mean, I guess this podcast is going to prove pretty clearly that's not entirely the case. But I think it's really awesome for me when I try to imagine a character or try to imagine a villain. I literally did this today. I'm writing up a campaign for a few friends, including Ryan, uh, and a few other people I hope to get on the podcast at some point. But I'm doing a campaign, and I'm trying to figure out a real good villain. I'm trying to figure out who I want to be the head honcho, the BBEG, as it were. Um, But I'm having trouble sort of visualizing in my head, like, who would fit best? Who would I think the players would want to kill the most? Who do I think I want, like... I have to make a perfect villain, somebody who's really nasty and really awful and fits all the characteristics I need. So I have those characteristics in my head, right? I just said them all right there. I mean, obviously in more terms in my head than anything, but, you know, maybe I want a sophisticated villain. Maybe some kind of villain who knows how to really manipulate people and bring them together. One who's dark and and really, I don't know, vile and evil, but in a way that sort of I don't know, refined, sort of this super evil, lawful evil kind of business executive or or kingslayer, this person who sort of usurps kingdoms through political means. Yeah. So then we imagine in our head, okay, well, what about a class and a race? 
well, maybe this person is something of a refined warrior, something of like a swashbuckler, but almost like a political swashbuckler. Somebody who's learned, you know, to battle with foil and with rapier or whatever. But they do it only because they were trained in, in I don't know, the academy to do so. So fighting's not their first thing. But maybe it's some high elf who has sort of this real nasty and vile wit to them. When I'm trying to write this character up, I put on some fantasy music, uh, a few bands that come to mind I'll say in a second, but I put on that kind of music and I try to just really imagine them. You know, I try to imagine the scene where the players show up at this character's mansion and they've just made it past the guards and they made it into this room and they're hoping to finally meet with this villain. And they stop in the in the the you know main hall there where the villain's waiting with a glass of red wine in hand and I don't know in their finest regal clothing and you know the party paladin or okay we'll just keep it to bulleting and Kevar but Kevar you know shouts out he he yells out in his gruff voice to the evil villain there and he says listen here we've made it to you you know we've made it past your guards we've made it to this final stage. And it's time for you to face the final curtain call. I mean, I guess Kevar is a total bumbling idiot. But anyway, we'll roll with it. So now we imagine our head. This long, blonde-haired high elf with all the refined qualities turns around so effortlessly and turns to the party, takes a nice, small, delicate swish off of the red wine he has in his hand, and he does a small swirling in his hand to check the, uh, you know, the bouquet or I don't... Look, I don't drink wine, Okay. I, I drink a lot of beer, but I sure don't know how to check wine for its goodness. But either way, we can pretend. That's what DMs do. But he, you know, he swirls his wine, and he looks at it, and he sniffs it for the bouquet. And in the most effortless way, he turns to Kevar, he looks up, and he says, My, my, as if I'm to be impressed. It's like right there, like, I know I came up with the voice, but didn't the characteristics sort of inform it? You know? But playing that music in the background just helps me really make it all into a cinematic. And that's what D&D is all about, right? The cinematic, getting so deep into the characters and the storyline that when that big moment comes where they get to fight the evil villain that has apparently no name, it should be a cinematic moment. It should be a moment the players relish and revel in and just really enjoy, you know? So when, when that character, when that villain speaks... You know, it should embody all the characteristics and qualities that you've write, wrote up to this point. If he turns around and he says, well, 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 welcome to my lair, it doesn't fit. It's not smart. It doesn't feel elegant. It doesn't feel like it fits the character. But in the same way, if you're all chuckles and, and silly about it, it kind of robs the character of the refined and evil nature that it deserves. You know, so when it comes to making these these uh, characters and, and using music and monologue to make them, Imagine what he says next, you know? The evil villain just says his line there, if I can rewind. Well, 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 as if I'm to be impressed. What happens next? What does he say next? Kevar, you think I don't know who you are? My, my, such a silly boy in a world where you know nothing. I know all. And he throws the wine glass to the floor. I'm getting weird images in my head of Castlevania. What is a man? But anyway. No, but seriously. It, like, doesn't this paint a picture? Hearing the voices? My terrible and awful voices? 
But what I think is cool is, while it's great sitting there and hearing me talking blankly in your uh, in your car or wherever you're listening to the podcast, which, thank you for listening up to this point now. The fact that you've made it 20 minutes in is just astonishing, to say the least. But in any case, before I scare you away, imagine this with music. You know, when I'm making these characters and I'm doing these monologues, I like to noodle, you know? I like to imagine all the possibilities for the dialogue, you know? How would that speech sound differently if the warlord, I mean, the character there, that main character, was actually an orcish warlord, and they stumbled into his, I don't know, war chief's lair? Or imagine if instead it was an illithid, you know, some mind flare. What would it sound like in their head? Would there be an echo? Would it be some wispy reverb kind of voice in their heads? Would you say that they hear anything? Or would they just get the impression of doom in their brain? Would they just feel the sensation of the world crashing around them? You know? And so what I think is neat is that I think a lot of times that playing music in the background and and doing that kind of cinematic stuff can help frame everything and keep you almost in pace. It almost feels like the cinematic music functions as sort of a drummer for the band or a bass player for the band. Or maybe just the both of them. I don't know. I play both instruments, but not well. So clearly my metaphors are going to suffer. But, you know, that music can act as sort of your pacing. You know, as you follow the natural cadences of the music and the crescendos and the rises and the falls and the different instrumental patterns and whatnot you know, your your monologue that you do to practice or, or whatever, it will change with the music. And I kind of love that. It almost forces you to go along with the punches, almost like a dance. It's like, you know when these next movements are coming, you know when the tempo shifts, and you have to sort of prepare yourself and get ready for it, prep your next moves. And so for that reason, I kind of love picking the right piece of music that I think embodies what a character should be about. So I know I mentioned it before, but I think two examples of bands that I really love to listen to when I'm trying to inspire myself and, and, you know, get myself really in the mood to do monologues. One of them would be, I guess it's kind of a three-pronged thing here, but just because there's weird legalistic issues between the band members, but the band uh, Rhapsody, which later became Rhapsody of Fire, and I think technically now there's also like a Luca Torelli's Rhapsody, but additionally, there's also just Luca Torelli. Um, Luca, L-U-C-A, and Torelli, T-U-R-I-L-L-I. But these guys play some really nerdy metal. They describe themselves as being symphonic Hollywood power cinematic metal or something around there. But essentially, each album uh, feels kind of like a movie soundtrack, but, you know, power metal. So in the beginning of each album, and usually tossed in there somewhere in the mix, there are some instrumental pieces that sort of you know, make a a big hit song on the album sort of even bigger with a nice intro soundtrack. But usually in the first track of an album, you'll get a really nice instrumental section. And I can't tell you the number of times that I have framed a villain's intro speech over one of their songs, an introduction song that they've got there. Lux Triumphans, or Triumphans. Uh, it's off of the album Dawn of Victory, and this one's by the band self-titled, or the band rather, just Rhapsody. No Rhapsody of Fire or anything like that. But listening to that opening theme really gets me in the mood to give sort of a villain's introduction speech, you know? Um, another another good one there would be Epi- uh, Epicus Führer, which is off of their other album Symphony of Enchanted Lands, you know? 
Um, another band that's really good for this, I'll give you guys another one, is uh, Glory Hammer. They're another band that's a pretty new band in comparison to Rhapsody, but Glory Hammer has three albums out now, but listening to any of their stuff while also getting you jazzed up and in the mood to play some D&D, they have some instrumental stuff, actually an entire like second half of an album of just instrumental stuff, but... The other uh, musician I'm talking about that I think does a really great job, and to be honest, I did something really neat with one of my other campaigns, the, one of the longer-lasting campaigns I ever did. I listened to this song, uh, Eternity Rising, by Sam Dillard, D-I-L-L-A-R-D. Um, I can't play any of these things on the podcast just because I'm not sure of the, you know, legalistic ability for me to do it. I've got other stuff that's available for playing on the podcast, but unfortunately I can't play this one. But this song was pretty much the entire inspiration for an entire campaign that lasted about three, four years. Um, What I did was I essentially listened to this, and this might actually be my absolute favorite song for monologuing over, just because it's so good for doing something of a uh, synopsis or or a I guess I'd say like one monologue that kind of sets the tone for an entire campaign but what I would do is I just did sort of like a cinematic speech almost like a movie trailer where you had the narration of what's going on or what's going to happen from some character that I don't know doesn't really need a name at any point when you're just farting around and monologuing but honestly here's a recommendation for you I have, uh, you know, I'm music, so I download this stuff all the time, but if you have some sort of way of reaching this track, go ahead and download it too. Listen to it all the way through once. I know it's probably something like five minutes long, so boo-hoo, spend five minutes and do it. But then the second time you want to listen to it, try giving something of a little speech. Fart around with some voices. Try to do a character monologue where you describe why you adventure or or how much you've seen or how you're damaged because of what happened, you know? Describe these things through some kind of monologue, you know? Be cheesy about it. But uh, since I can't really provide something of a, a game show uh, for you guys, since it's pretty much just me on here... Um, what I'm going to do instead is I'm going to provide you guys with uh, a little bit of some fantasy music. Uh, it's going to be about three minutes long. So for the last three minutes of the podcast, I'm going to offer you guys an opportunity to do some monologuing of your own. Um, I don't know if this counts as being fun or in any way interesting, but I think it's kind of interesting to think, well, imagine you're writing a campaign. Use this fantasy music and give like a monologue from the point of view of the villain or one of the main heroes, and describe what's happening, or describe their plan, or describe who wronged them, or something. You know, we've all watched big-budget Hollywood movies. We know what a good villain's, you know, monologue is supposed to sound like, um, and what it's not supposed to sound like. Not pointing any fingers. Smurfs. No, I'm just kidding. But anyway, um, so this song that I have for you guys is uh, Hero Down by Kevin McLeod. Uh, I got this one off of Incompetech, uh, their website, uh, Incompetech, which I think is a really, really solid name, guys. Um, but yeah, without further ado, here's the track. Uh, if you have any ideas or anything you want to tell me about, go ahead and tell me on the Twitter account. Go ahead and shoot me an email over at younggrognard at gmail.com, uh, Y-U-N-G, grognard at gmail.com, or reach me at my Twitter account at why grognard 
Um, and just tell me if you had any ideas, if anything spoke to you. If you have any suggestions for the podcast or anything you'd like us to talk about here. Um, more than willing to listen to it. More than willing to accommodate and help you all out. But without further ado, uh, here's the track. So until next time, uh, DMs, appreciate your players. And players, appreciate your DMs. Roll 20s, crit, and be merry. Bye-bye.